Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Film House. I'm Adam Kovic, joined by James Willems, Bruce Green, Elise Willems, official Kingsman. You guys okay? You all excited? Is there Canadian Kingsman? Yeah, they're the Mounties men. You bet there are. There, are, there are Kingsmen in every country. We're going to find that out in the third one. Uh, this episode of Film House is brought to you by Mac Weldon. We got a special deal with them, but we'll be talking about them later. Uh, this is actually going to be a really different episode because we're crazy busy this week. You guys are flying all over the place. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Mm-hmm. And I think the show does better when we talk about shitty movies. So Lawrence and I are going to be sitting down later in a pre-produced package where we review American Psycho 2. There's more of a story behind that. Uh, but I want to talk to you guys about Kingsman because I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. And you all did. Yeah. And I want you to convince me to go see Kingsman 2. Here's, did you like Kingsman? I did. I like Kingsman 1 a lot. Go see Kingsman 2. Then you'll like Kingsman 2. Okay. Do you like poor portrayals of females in cinema? I love that. Then you'll love this film. Aww. You like Julianne Moore? Is that what you're talking about? No, I'm talking about much more than that, Bruce. But that's for another podcast. I like the I like the girl with no feet in the first one. Is she, she back? Cool. No, she's not. No. She, she died. Remember, she Don't died. Don't spoil it. Yeah, I, she, she died in I the forgot. first one. She died in the first game. <laughs> Do you like it when you forget spoilers? Um, so I had an idea, just because I want to quickly get through this, since mm-hmm. uh, the movie came out a week ago, and it's old news at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I want you to come up with three things. So it's either two things that you liked about it, one thing you didn't, or two things you didn't like about it, and one thing that you did. Okay. Um, Collectively, uh, you were supposed to decide this before the podcast, but I didn't talk for to me, you. Oh, right. Yeah, you just literally <laughs> told us now. Well, for me, we, I think we talked about this earlier. It felt disjointed. So, like, there are parts of the story that didn't quite fit together, and mm-hmm. other parts that did. Yeah. Um, whereas I felt like the first Kingsman had a little more uh, of a flow to it. This one did yeah, not. Yeah, the, the Kingsman, Kingsman 1 is definitely a much more structured film with a pretty... St- Pretty standard hero's journey. Yeah. Crazy wild kid on the streets finds out that his street wildness mm-hmm. has the potential to be very useful. Um, but the my problem is that Kingsman 2 felt kind of like Brewster's Millions. I, I've been saying it a lot, but it felt like Matthew Vaughn wrote a script that probably cost $80, $90 million to make. Hmm. The studio came back and said, we'll give you $200 million, but you have to spend every penny of it. <laughs> and so he, it's like almost like the movie finds excuses to be more elaborate and expensive than maybe it needs to be. As you can see, there's robo-dogs. It expands on the world, but in a weird way that it didn't feel like Kingsman 1 Yeah, did, yeah. You know? No, I, okay. um, right. yeah, I agree. I was surprised that Kingsman 1 did have the, the big... Uh, world domination aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do they do that again with this one? Is it yeah, like the world absolutely. is in peril? Yes, yeah, absolutely. That's going to be the theme um, going forward for all of them, I bet. Yeah, that's what, I mean, I, well, I, that's what I thought Kingsman was originally, was like a parody of spy films. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's sort of the point that they have to do that world domination thing every single time because it's, you know, like, oh, like it's a joke, right? Every mm-hmm. time the world's in danger, but every time they save the world, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, I don't know. Yeah, so it's weird. There are certain challenges that the Kingsmen face that are resolved not necessarily via the Kingsman's ingenuity. It felt like. And there's also a lot of times in the movie where it seems like time is of the essence and they're fucking around for no reason, (laughs) um, which bothered me. Uh, But stylistically, I think it's still super fun to watch. When it's it's over-elaborate, it's not boring. Like, it's not like a Transformers movie where you're like, please, please fight Transformers. <laughs> like, it's it's as though a Transformers movie where they were fighting the whole time. What were you going to say, Elise? Do I do my three things now? Well, we just did We two already things. ignored his concept. We, well, yeah, that's right. fine. We did two things that we weren't crazy about. So I'm just trying to do, do, a I'll do uh, Tell us a good one. my three things. Uh, uh, Mark are, Strong. Yeah. Mark Strong is fantastic in this. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he's he, great in everything. He's a bit more prevalent. Yeah, he's And great. he really owns it. You can tell he's having a good time and... 
he's just really enjoyable to watch. He is. He's the guy who's a bad guy in every movie except for mm-hmm. Kingsman, yeah. where he's a good guy. Yeah. He's, he's really fun. I like that. And um, I I think that uh, some of the scenes that in the first Kingsman, like the church action, action oh, scene, amazing. Colin Firth in the mm-hmm. bar, mm-hmm. those in there in the effort to top itself, the sequel kind of shirks those really great choreographed scenes in favor of like let's do more CG action because mm-hmm. we need to we need to top ourselves which I wasn't crazy I felt like those those scenes really relied on style and great execution as opposed to to uh, effects so mm-hmm. th- like that was something that was a bit of a drawback for me and mm-hmm. also the other movie built to that moment and then that like that was like a payoff to sure, like a yeah. climax in the and then the film, it was yeah. also where the <laughs> the floor of the whole rest of the movie dropped out and it had to rebuild itself to another final climax um, this just has those sprinkled in anywhere and there's a really fun uh, recurring cameo oh man that's is it recurring, Elton John yes okay the, the recurring cameo I mean he's in the trailer there but the recurring, oh, I always saw his name on the billboard I was kind of yeah. curious where what he would add he, to he the is movie. in it enough to warrant his name on the billboard though he, he oh. is and he's very funny he's all he's yeah. all, almost like I think there was one scene that he wasn't funny in but the other 15 or 20 he was in was, were great that is the weird thing it's almost like they just put out a feeler into this town and said who wants to be in Kingsman and people that said yes, they were like, all right, we'll find a way for you to be in Kingsman. Yeah. Um, the movie starts off pretty much doing away with basically everyone you knew from the first movie. And then bringing back in new people, but then not paying them off as much either. Yeah. Channing Tatum is the weird. Is probably the weirdest part of this whole movie. It's like Channing Tatum said, I, I'd love to do Kingsman. And they said, well, we have this check from $200 million, so sure, you can be in it. Mm. And he's like, I only have six hours. And they're like, we'll make that work. Yeah. Um, he doesn't do much. Like, his, his journey is very short and uh, also, again, I, disjointed. I was worried just because, and we shouldn't do this as a society, but I keep looking at the Rotten Tomato score, mm-hmm. and that, for whatever reason, influences my opinion on things. But I trust you guys more than I would ever trust yeah. the tomato well, monitor, it's, tomato meter. It's, it's, it's really fun. It's yeah. weird it's because a really fun movie. it's weird because I don't understand people that loved Kingsman and were just appalled by this. Yeah, right. It's a very because same. They're tone. not too different. I can say, like for me, I didn't think that there. I thought in the first film, uh, his friend at the academy was great. Yeah, his, his friend. I forget her name. Oh yeah, uh, Roxy. 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 She was. Yeah. It was great to ha- like that he had a counterpart that was also a very mm-hmm. competent yeah. agent as well, giving him a run for his money. And also the knife blade uh, henchman. henchman. She was fantastic too. Like really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. Julianne Moore is a great actress. Some t- a bit of her what she's given with fall what she's given to work with falls to the wayside toward the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but there weren't really any cool female characters that you were like, yeah, she's really awesome. No, you're right. Yeah. Um, they don't give Halle Berry well, she's not, anything she's to do. They yeah. even make so, a point of saying that she's kind of Yeah, nice. so yeah. from my perspective, Damn. too, just for that, I was like, oh, that's a little disappointing that they regressed okay. in that respect. Uh, you know, Zack Zach Snyder. Well, as a so, not, self... It's not Zack Snyder. It's, it's a Zack Snyder Bond, film. Right? Mm-hmm. Matthew Vaughn. It's whatever Bond. you want it to be, at least. No, I, I, as a self-proclaimed feminist, I'm not. Um, but... I do believe should women be. yeah, no, should always fuck. should pay their due, <laughs> and uh, besides that, anyone who plays Catwoman deserves more of a role. I was actually surprised that they got so a, I say. an Oscar winner to do very like nothing. She'll do anything. Season. They got a couple Oscar winners. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but uh, if I well, was an Oscar winner, I'd say I want as little as possible. <laughs> pay me. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Matthew Vaughn hates women, uh, but movie's good though. I'll go see it. It's fun. It's I'll fun. It. It's fun. I'll do. You my, will enjoy the film. All right. Yeah. If you say so. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. 
Uh, we're going to take a quick break uh, right here. Actually, right before we do that, I want to remind you this episode of Film House brought to you by MacWeldon.com. MacWeldon, it's better than anything you are wearing right now. I'm actually doing the ad read from memory I'm at this noticing. point because we've done it. So many times. You can save 20% on your first order by using promo code FILMHOUSE. Get to that in a little bit. But just want to talk about it. Uh, I believe we're all wearing our underwear, at least the men. You weldies. <laughs> Is that what they're called? Weldies? Oh, that's why I call them. It's like a a weldies. Well, weldies. Oh. Yeah, I like that. Oh, bruv, you wearing your weldies. <laughs> that's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, I uh, I wear them every day. They're the finest underwear I've ever owned. They're uh, even the finest socks I've ever owned. They have all sorts of different things, you know, and I even have pajamas. James has his... His fun weekend shorts. What do you call them? Your the weekenders. weekenders. My weekenders. <laughs> what do you do in your weekenders? Anything. Nothing. That's the point. And everything. Oh yeah. I sleep in mine. It's been getting a little colder lately, so I get to wear the the sweatpants. They're nice. I don't sweat in them. I don't know why they're called sweatpants. I guess because you don't sweat in them. Either way, Mac Weldon. Like I said, better than anything you're wearing right now. That's their guarantee. Actually, it's my guarantee too. So please check them out. Use our promo code. On their website, it's one of the easiest shopping experiences you'll ever have. That's F-I-L-M-H-A-U-S, Filmhouse. You can save 20% on your first order. If you don't like it, you send it right back. It's okay. No questions asked. They'll even let you keep it. It's crazy. I love Mack Weldon. So do you. Anyway, take a quick break. Uh, we got this little video that Lawrence and I did earlier, and then we'll be right back. Lawrence, I'd like to thank you for joining me today on Spooky Review. Mm, couldn't be more delighted. So the last podcast, we were talking about doing a month of scary movies. And I thought it would, we're still in September, so I'm easing into it. Sure. And I remember American Psycho, look, it was kind of scary. Yeah. But then I saw that American Psycho 2 is also on HBO for another three days. Ooh. So I picked it. And you were the only other person in the office who's actually seen American Psycho yeah, 2. Yeah, I just put it on randomly, which was a bad idea. It's really bad. It came out in 2003. I watched the whole thing, that and Air Bud, but we'll get to that later. Uh, Don't worry. I remember my chief takeaway was that they actively tried to make a movie that stupid college kids would think is very cool. Something like that. I mean, it's immediately right off the bat. I, I could tell. I was like, this is one of those movies where they just slap the title mm. on it afterwards. And it's yeah. 100% what happened. Oh, really? It, it was a no. I mean, it's like the very first thing. Like <laughs> Mila Kunis already like denounces the movie. She hates everything that she had to do with it. They basically changed it on her like halfway through production. And, oh, by the way, it's an American Psycho movie now. So we got to work around that. And like, wow. Okay. Because originally you could take all the Patrick Bateman stuff out of it, yeah, and it's just it's just a shitty teen movie. But I yeah, guess now they, I'm trying to think what is I don't know. Well, we got a little anyway. printout right here that actually recaps the plot. I, I highly recommend you don't watch this movie. So uh -huh. we're just gonna we're gonna go we're gonna go through the theater of the mind. Oh sure, you and I here, and we're gonna just break it down. So you want to go ahead, take it away. Let's see here. The film starts with twelve year old girl whose babysitter is on a date with the serial killer Patrick Bateman, which listeners you may recall was the titular American Psycho. So right off the top, we're already like, it's it's tied in, it's locked in to the Psycho universe. And I guess to be clear too, I, I don't know if you liked the original American Psycho. It's an okay movie. So it's it's funny because, and, and again, these are all vague takeaways because I don't remember much of the movie itself, but what I think they were zeroing in on is like, college kids love Boondock Saints and they love American <laughs> Psycho. So what if we like engineer a movie for those dumb idiots to like? And there are certain scenes in it that I remember were designed to like appeal to people who just figured out how to drink. It's an awkward movie. It's one of those things that feels like you'd find in the bargain bin. So anyway, yeah, the, the girl stabs Patrick Bateman. Wait, so Patrick Bateman dies at the beginning of the movie? The very beginning of the movie. A okay. man in a mask who Present is just- Jay, The girl who is yeah. Rachel Newman. It's now a college student studying criminology. So wait, her 
babysitter killed Patrick Bateman. No, 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 no. The, pa- the babysitter was killed by Patrick Bateman, and her as a little girl breaks out of her uh, restraints, which is like just bad tape, and then uh, stabs Patrick Bateman in the back. Oh, so she took down Patrick Bateman. She takes him down, and then but her she's babysitter like, died. Yes, this and is she, very important. And she says, "I never told anyone." And the the death of Patrick Bateman was always a mystery. And she's just this little crazy girl. So yeah, now ah. she's going to college because she wants to become. Uh, she wants to join the FBI to work in criminology. Yes, tough competition for the position stands in her way. Mm-hmm. And Rachel proceeds to kill off classmates one by one. Is... She's becoming a new American psycho. Oh, boy. During her killing spree, she decides to see the school psychiatrist, Dr. Eric Daniels, realizing that Rachel is a textbook sociopath. Daniels tries to warn Starkman, who mistakenly thinks the psycho student is Cassandra Blair, with whom he had an extramarital affair. Boy, it's getting real spicy. It gets, it gets really complicated yeah. for no reason. So, wait. Uh, is yeah. it, you, you think the original vision was just a, like, a sociopath... College student, hell-bent on success, killing off all of her competition? Yeah, absolutely. That's okay. what it, because the way I described this to Jess was it felt like someone who was kind of half-watching the original movie and then someone who had heard about American Psycho, the book, and said, yeah, we could work with that. It, it's weird, too, because, yeah, she's she's trying to get this TA position mm-hmm. so because she what she really wants to do is stop criminals. She wants to stop serial killers. Okay, and she does that by killing people? I guess that's a little crazy. I mean, you can work with that. There's interesting questions to be asked there. I'm sure the movie eventually gets into that, so let's see here. When Cassandra reveals that her affair with Professor Starkman has guaranteed her the TA position, Rachel decides to murder her as well. Mm -hmm. After she does so, Professor Starkman discovers Cassandra's body and calls Daniels to tell him that, quote, she's dead. Well, I'm glad they they air-quoted that. Uh, but he does not identify the victim, and Daniels assumes it must be Rachel. Distraught, Professor Starkman leaves the teaching because what is going on? This is just... Mm-hmm. She reveals that she is not Rachel. She killed the real Rachel at the beginning of the semester and assumed her identity. Wait, 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 whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah. The, so also, that's not even I'm, the main character. I'm going to say the plot, uh, Wikipedia, also, it, it comes over a lot of parts. So Mila that- Kunis is not the one who killed Patrick Bateman. She no, no, killed she- her and then took her identity? No. That would almost make more sense. No. Yeah. The little girl grows up. And then she goes to a college yeah. and then assumes the identity of another college girl who she kills. Uh, Once again, this is all in the name of her because she's like, I am the best. I'm going to be the best serial killer hunter in the world. So I need to kill these people to get out of my way okay. so that I can catch criminals. Sure. Uh, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. It's kind of a, a Hannibal Lecter thing going on here, I guess, maybe. But it's done in such a bad way. I will say, though, in this, we, we were talking about the movie Friend Request. And how the the deaths in that were laugh. Some of them were laughably bad. Yeah. Even worse in this one. Yeah. Like well, I, I, just cutaways. Boy, it's funny you bring that up. Mm-hmm. All right. During spring break, Rachel stays on campus and confronts Starkman, who had taken Valium and alcohol and tries to de- seduce him to get the job because she still wants that PA position. It's weird. Um. So she's she's uh she's basically stalking him down. She's trying to seduce him. She's like, hey, give me that job. As he backs up towards the window in a state of confusion and fear. Rachel blows him a kiss, and he falls out of the window to his death. It's one of the most terrible deaths in a film I've ever wait, wait. seen. Oh, she's not done. As she leaves, Rachel realizes a janitor has witnessed Starkman's death, and she murders the janitor, too. Yes. Driving away from the campus with Starkman in her car, Rachel is stopped by campus security, whom she stabs to death with an ice pick. Mm. She did him raw, just like Patrick. Yep. He baits. It's the same ice pick, by the way. Oh, she kept she it? She kept it. Well, she kept the murder not, weapon. It's not sanitary. She's an idiot. So, okay, so this is supposed to mimic the downward spiral when Patrick Bateman's, like, going nuts and just stabbing everyone. Unstable narrator, what is the unreliable narrator. Yeah, that's actually one of the best parts in the book, American Psycho. That part, the book switches from first person to third person narrative mid-sentence. Ugh. That was one of the craziest fucking books I ever read. It was where Vonnegut, right? 
Uh, wrong Brett Easton Ellis. Oh. Who cool. has also denounced American Psycho 2 as a film or oh, as a oh. property in any way, shape, or form. Brave. So, Real brave. Well, I mean, he's just like, what did you do with the thing that I wrote? <laughs> what is wrong with you? you cashed in, baby. It, it was just Lionsgate being like, I guess we, we technically own the rights to this thing. Let's go nuts. Yeah, so yeah, this is the part where she just starts... Kill, uh, she's just killing a janitor. You know how she kills the janitor, by the way? Stabbing with an ice pick? No, she puts a broom through... Somehow, she gets a broom through... Like the roof, roof of his mouth, yeah. and then it comes out the top of his head, and then she throws him in a dumpster. Yet she's seen moments later having a really hard time dragging the body. It's heavy. Of, but yeah, uh, she can lift a 280 pound man over her head. A little weird, right? Yeah. Anyway, it's like the movie didn't think anything through. It's well, like it's a, a cash grab, ten million dollar dollar piece of garbage. As as evidenced by the conclusion, uh, uh, Daniels and two cops pursue Rachel in a car chase. Started when she sped by the cops who had Daniels in the car. It ends with Rachel driving off a cliff, resulting in the car exploding, as mm. cars are wont to do when they catch air. That's very strange. At this point, she's presumed dead by the cops who witnessed the event and the media. Mm -hmm. But, two years later, Dr. Daniels is giving a lecture on Rachel's mind and how he wrote a book on her. When he looks up from speaking with a student, he sees Rachel, who has not died after all. She indirectly reveals that she killed Starkman's last assistant, Elizabeth McGuire, and stole her identity to get into Quantico. Yeah, it looks nothing like her, by the way. Mm. It's a little strange when you assume the identity of someone and you don't look like them. <laughs> I don't know. She walks out of his class. Dr. Daniels is obviously disturbed and rattled, mm. so she confesses her crimes to him. Basically. But she knows he won't tattle because it'll make a mockery of his best-selling book about her dissecting her mind, her killer's mind. More or less. Uh, oh, I totally forgot. The whole part with the cops, uh, I don't know if you remember this part, it's <laughs> laughably bad where the cops are trying to take her down in a car because she speeds right by the cops. She, she, she claims to be the most methodical, smartest serial killer ever, and she speeds out of a parking lot. She's like the sloppiest killer in the world, but in her mind, she's like, I'm the coolest. Yeah, I'm learning so much. So she speeds right by cops, almost well, she hits was, them. No, 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 man, you don't get it. She was creating a, a uh, scene so the media would see her fake death. She was detracting an audience oh, so she but, could get the perfect escape. But before this, the cops are freaking out. How do we... If she won't pull over, what do we do? So then she then rams them and they're like, now she's hitting us. What do we do? <laughs> wow. So how... In this situation as a police officer, Lawrence, how would you stop the car? I would pursue it. Give enough space for some good, you know, mm -hmm. some good camera coverage of this, mm -hmm. these two cars speeding down the road. Presumably it's at night, so you get a lot of cool flashing lights and stuff. And then, um, you know, I try, I try to angle that car towards a cliff. Hopefully that it cinematically drives off that cliff. Incorrect. Oh. Uh, one of the police officers takes his gun and starts firing it blindly in the air while driving 45 miles per hour down the highway, which then she does pull over. Oh. So they get out to check on her. Kind of cautious at this point. Uh, and then she just drives off. And then they lose her. Ah. Uh, and then... The old stop and go. And But she had enough time to angle the body of Professor Starkman up against a railing and then somehow push a car to go fast enough so that it goes off the edge and then blows up. Man, it, what a mastermind. It, it's crazy because it's a cheap, crappy movie, but they go out of their way to make things complicated and stupid. Anyway, everyone involved in this movie should be ashamed. I'm, I hope he got paid, but dear God. So it's hitting me now in the way that I, I felt like when I watched it, it was trained to engineer being a boondock saints. The the way that it is like, oh, here, here's a college student who's way too precocious and dark and edgy. And you just can't help but love her and how twisted and fucked up she is. But oh, isn't it isn't this such like a gleeful, high energy romp? I was like, they're just they're just trying to eat Donnie Darko style. Like, they, they saw that certain movies got these cult followings, and they're like, oh, if we just mathematically identify those things, like a dark and edgy protagonist playfully flirting with death, so, like, kids that move away from a small town are like, ooh, I can watch these movies now. And then it's it's all covered with some of the worst narration 
in the history That's of right. anything. That's right. There was to, a narration. She, there, there's one part where oh, she's man. she's about to kill one of her classmates, and then she goes, "Oh wait, he's as tortured as I am." Because she peeks into like his book, and but she's holding an, an ice pick over his head, mm-hmm. and then she goes, "Well, a girl's got to do what a girl's got to do." That, that's a line in the movie. It's fantastic. Anyway, thank you, Lawrence, for joining me as we go on. I, I think we should follow up with, like, S. Darko, maybe. Oh, there was another Darko. <laughs> I don't know if enough people and know And Boondock Saints 2. I never watched it. Okay. Oh, me neither. I think I think maybe we do a series of bad reviews yeah. of, uh, of sequels that Shitty went- millennial college movies. That- not a millennial. I don't know what this is. Anyway, back to us. <laughs> we got a little update at the end. See you on the other side. Wow, what a review Lawrence and I did. What a horrible movie. What are you guys doing here? Well, we just came by because we thought uh, you might want to talk about dogs. I do. I want to talk about the uh, ABCU, more importantly. John, why did you come up with this idea? Uh, John? Yeah, oh, was this, this, actually, this, this, is a, this is a joint effort yeah, by Bones on my part. Bones actually discovered the Air Buddies universe. Um, Explain. Well, I just, you know, I don't have a lot to do during the day. Just kind of hang around. Well, we got to fix that. So I spend most of it just looking at trailers for old movies. And mm-hmm. I, I had heard of Air Bud, And then I noticed that they just kept going. And uh, it, it went from Air Bud, where he just plays different sports. And then his children, who can somehow talk or telepathically communicate with one another, oh. went on a series of adventures. Uh, they later bring in some chimpanzees uh, to uh, fight crime okay. and rollerblade and stuff. So I guess we're here for our uh, Airbud Cinematic Universe update, the ABCU as we'll be yes. calling it. Um, before. So what's the update uh, right now? Well, got to say it starts strong. Um, this is probably the most... Uh, that's Bob Hoskins right there as the referee. Not, not, that's not the most not. complete film. Um, I'm pretty sure that you know th- this is very grounded, and it's more about the boy's relationship with the dog. But there is a twist at the end. Yeah, don't forget. Okay. Um, but I'll, uh, I'll try not to spoil it. For yeah, anyone. yeah. It, it takes like an hour for the dog to even like shoot a hoop, which I was really frustrated with. Giving away the. I I was actually so, John somehow convinced me to watch Airbud last night, uh, on top of American Psycho too, and I was actually pleasantly surprised that how much heart the original Airbud had. Yeah. So I thank you for actually getting me to watch that. It's about a child whose father is dead and a dog who is mostly abused and both these tortured creatures find each other and help each other become whole. And basketball is actually not really a huge part of the film. I feel like the marketing uh, really lied to us yeah. about this. It's a, pu- it's a pure 1990s Disney movie. And that heart uh, is carried on with every film. I guarantee it. Okay. Uh, well, we'll, it doesn't uh, turn into just a gimmick of a dog playing sports or his children, one of them named B-Dog, who is about the bling bling, as it says in the trailer. Uh, this just, the whole series is completely pure, and I'm just really excited to just address every every episode, every movie uh, right. with you. Uh, by the way, the uh, the mom. Oh my God! There she is. Uh, Bones. Oh. Just that. See, hear that noise he made? That was the noise he made every time the mom every was on time. screen. Well, uh, hopefully, she comes back when we check in next week for Airbud Two. Golden Receiver. Golden Receiver. And this one. Okay. Uh, not to spoil anything. Might involve the mafia. Well, 
you've got my attention, and I hope we have yours. So thank you, everyone, for watching. Hope you enjoyed the weird segments that I'm doing this week. It's going to only get weirder from here. Thank you, Mac Weldon, for sponsoring this podcast, and thank you, everyone, who shares this little podcast, keeping us alive, keeping the lights on. You guys are awesome. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye, everybody.